Welcome to Ultiverse of Q, your guide to the ultimate universe. And now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And I'm not sure if I said ultimate universe or not. I'm pretty sure I did. But if not, you heard it a second time. The universe so nice, we had to say its name twice. Yeah, for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Just stay with me just a little bit longer. Please, 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 just listen a bit more. Uh, but yeah, this week, uh, Devin, do you know what we are covering? We are recovering some ultimate zombies that you may have heard us cover in our Multiversal Q podcast. As well, well. In, our, in our alternate universe selves. Ah, you're right. Podcast. I be. As well as Ultimate Harry Osborne in The Hobgoblin. Even though they never call him The Hobgoblin, he's just the Orange Goblin. Truth. Or Big Ol' Harry. That is one of those things. It's like, oh, yeah, no, we're going to have the ultimate version of these characters. We're going to title the stories after them. But then we're just never actually going to call him the thing, like with Little Ben truth i think courage comes back though yeah yeah because gwen becomes little ben yeah oh true spoilies 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 uh but yeah this week we are covering a bunch a bunch of uh stories so let us get into it first with ultimate fantastic four we are covering Issues 21 through 26, which were written by Mark Millar, with pencils by Greg Land, inks by Matt Ryan, colors by Justin Fonsor, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And the first story is Ultimate Fantastic Four, number 21 through 23, Crossover. The Fantastic Four start off spread across the distant past with Sue and Reed confronting some chrono bandits who threaten to destroy all of history if they don't get paid by killing the first creature to get out of the primordial ooze. And after stopping them, the Ultimates are there waiting for them to follow up, and when they find everything is okay, the team leaves and is swarmed by news agencies at Johnny Storm. The Human Torch had alerted to their presence. The heroes leave, with Reed remarking his concern that all of these new superpowered people is the sign of a trend before they return home. When they get there, Professor Storm, Sue and Johnny's father, is frustrated about the risks that Reed seems to be taking. And he's not the only one. There's also investors who they have to make inventions for. And they're also frustrated because Reed has not been delivering them the profitable inventions that he promised. Come on, Reed. I know, it's easy. Gonna hurt the economy. Yeah. So Dr. Storm ends up forcing Reed to promise to get back to work on other things. But then Reed just reveals that he crosses fingers and ends up going to work on his end zone portal. Oh, silly Reed. Sue catches Reed when he didn't show up for a date working on the portal and chastises him before Sue Storm ends up storming out of the room. But the alternate universe Reed says that this happens and that they'll end up together and even show some pictures of little baby Franklin. I like how you had to catch yourself from reading my bad pun, Sue Storm yeah. out of the room. I put that in there to catch you up. Kim couldn't trick me. <laughs> I came close, Devin. They've been talking and exchanging information, and Reed expresses that he's unhappy being forced to work on projects for other people 
Luckily for Reed, he's finished his teleporter to the other universe, only to find that he has ended up in the post-apocalyptic ruins of the Marvel Zombies universe, confronted by the zombie Fantastic Four. And you can tell this is Ultiversal Q and not Multiversal Q because we didn't list the number of the universe. Truth. Fuck those other guys. Yeah. We find out. We them with our haircuts and frosted tips. Radical. We find out how the Sentry has appeared as a zombie and started infecting people, including the Fantastic Four, who lured Reed so that they could feed, and Reed escapes only to be caught by Spider-Man and surrounded by hordes of zombies. They get interrupted before they can feed by the Hulk, who makes room before Magneto appears and assaults the street with a barrage of vehicles. Back in the... Oh... Back in the Ultimate Universe, Ben, Sue, and Johnny go looking for Reed and find his teleporter. Magneto and Reed escape to Magneto's base, where they have been living the past three days since the infection started, where he has also gathered Officer Kelly Ridge, a police officer, and Danny and his diabetic daughter, Mindy Gladwell. Reed explains that he came from another universe, which is why he is in the zombie, and he also realizes after return home immediately when we see that the zombie fantastic four have made their way into the ultimate universe the ultimate fantastic four work with the military patrols at the baxter building to quickly lock away their zombie counterparts back in the zombie universe reed returns to the base from recon with some diabetes medication and news that they are surrounded they try to make a plan but wolverine the zombie tracked reed and the zombie heroes break into their base and quickly give chase overwhelming the survivors. Luckily, Sue and the Ultimate Fantastic Four show up and blind all the zombies by making their optic nerves invisible, which I think is a bit of a stretch of using the powers. Mm-hmm. And then work to escape until the Hulk appears, leading to a Thing and Zombie Hulk showdown, where the Thing beats the heck out of Zombie Hulk. They reach to the teleporter, but Magneto needs to magnetically generate enough energy to power the device and also protect them, so he decides to sacrifice himself so they can leave, and he can close the portal after the team leaves. So the team and the survivors get home safe, as Professor Storm appears with big news for Sue and Johnny. Their mother is alive! <gasps> bum bum bum. It's... Instead of making the eyes invisible, it's just like, I feel like if you just like turned them into force fields and just like crushed everyone's eyes, now there's a... Uh... More or made their, thing. or just made their heads invisible. Like that would have. No, oh, that too. Yeah, it's it's interesting reading this story for the first time, and also looking back at the commentary that our alternate universe selves made on the story because I feel it reads very differently. Reading this as part of the Ultimate Fantastic Four as opposed to reading it as part of the Marvel Zombies coverage. Mm-hmm. True that. Uh, I mean, it's it's all right, but Greg Land is a major art step down. Oh, very much so. Like, Devin, you're going to be getting the image gallery up for this, but, like, Sue's hair is inconsistent between pages, and the zombies just don't look horrifying in the right way, and... Nope. Yeah, I... I... I understand that, like, Greg Land got things done on time, and he somehow had a lot of people who were fans of his art. 
But from a quality standpoint, I don't know why you would keep hiring them. Yep. Uh, the next story we're covering is Ultimate Fantastic Four, numbers 24 through 26, The Tomb of Namor. We get a flashback to 15 years back when Dr. Storm tells his children that their mother, Mary, had died in a car crash. But in actuality, she had just gotten hired for a secret project for a million dollars annually to look for Atlantis. She worked for Molkovic on it in the past, and then six weeks ago, they, find, they found it thanks to Molkovic. She tries to make a fake apology, like she regretted what they did, but either the art doesn't sell it or the words weren't very good because either way, Sue is still sad. Yeah, the problem with drawing faces from stills is that you don't get emotion done well. Nope. And also, Sue and her mom look like the same age because they're probably based on actresses who are the same age and it leaves a 100%. Mm-hmm. Ben and Sue discuss the turn as they go to look at the zombie Fantastic Four who believe that they will still escape and call them out for not killing them and simply delaying the inevitable. Mary Storm goes to talk to Sue, who roughly calls her out for showing up out of nowhere and asks what the hell she wants. Mary cuts the shred and says that she needs their powers to get through, and Sue agrees if she leaves their life afterwards. Later in the Mid-Atlantic, during a bad storm, Johnny is stuck on the boat watching porn, while the rest of the team is in the sub and his parents are in the room. It's weird that Johnny is looking at porn in the research boat in the room where his parents are. Do you think he muted I don't think he did. I think Johnny is nasty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Johnny. Uh, when Sue, Reed, and Ben reach the ruins, which is just Egyptian stuff in really good condition and no reasonable signs of erosion. Um, anyway, they find a lock on the building and once again, completely ignoring the most rudimentary Egyptology, find the king in the tomb is named Namor, who was then released from his prison. I want to complain about the bullshit here because it's like oh this is atlantis and it, it's just egypt it's like oh here's a fucking sphinx of giza and here's a bunch of pyramids that i traced this is how things would obviously go if they were on a continent that sucked to the bottom of the ocean true show the exact same signs of fucking wear and tear that you would get from a desert with desert winds and dry dry i Seriously, he he can't do anything creative. He traces faces. Like, they they did a two-page spread for, oh, look at this shit that I traced off of pictures that I put together. Oh, and then I'm going to frame it in some coral. Like, why, why is all this bullshit Egyptian? Why doesn't Namor actually look like he is fucking Egyptian if that's the way that they're going to go? Fuck you, Greg Land. Because Greg Land went to the Natural History Museum at, and the British Museum as well. I'm just like, look at all these cool things I saw. I'm going to draw it now. And then you know what happened? He got paid. No. Well, well I, I mean, that's one of the things that happened. But then you know what happened? What, Luke? Larry Daly is a divorced man who's been unable to keep a stable job and has failed at many business ventures, including being an inventor. His invention of the snapper, which does exactly what the clapper does, has failed because there is a significant number of people who cannot snap and therefore cannot use it. His former wife believes that he is a bad example to their 10-year-old son, Nick, and Larry fears that Nick respects his future stepfather, bond trader Don, 
more than him. Cecil Fredericks, an elderly night security guard about to retire from the American Museum of Natural History, hires Larry despite his unpromising resume. The museum, which is rapidly losing money, plans to replace Cecil and two colleagues, Gus and Reginald, with one guard. Cecil gives Larry an instruction booklet on how to handle museum security and advises Larry to leave some of the lights on and warns him not to let anything in or out. One night, Larry... Once night falls, Larry discovers that the exhibits come to life, including a playful Tyrannosaurus skeleton nicknamed Rexy, who behaves like a dog, a mischievous capuchin monkey named Dexter, which steals Larry's keys and tears up his instruction booklet, rival miniature civilizations led by Old West cowboy Jebediah and Roman general Octavius, limb-ripping Attila the Hun, an Easter Island Moai, obsessed with Gum-Gum, who advises Larry at who addresses Larry as dum-dum, and a wax model of Theodore Roosevelt. Roosevelt explains that since an Egyptian artifact, the golden tablet of Pharaoh Akimanra, came to the museum in 1952, all of the exhibits come to life each night. If the exhibits are outside the museum during sunrise, they turn to dust. Roosevelt helps Larry by restoring order, but only for one night. Larry quits the next morning, saying to the three guards he doesn't want a job that is life-threatening. However, he sees Nick coming to see him at work the next morning, where Larry offers Nick a tour of the museum. After seeing Nick's interest in his job, Larry decides to remain as the night guard. When Larry tells Cecil about how Dexter tore up the instructions, Cecil advises him to study history to prepare for his nightly duties. He also learns history from the museum docent Rebecca Hutton, who is writing a dissertation on Sacagawea, but does not feel she knows enough about her subject. Are you going to stop me at any point? Well, first off, you're spoiling this for the new Disney Plus remake, Luke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first half of Night at the Museum. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, Namor's Rise starts kicking up a storm. And uh, Johnny attacks Namor, while Sue and Johnny's parents believe the rest of the team to be trapped below the sea. Underneath the water, Sea Lab trapped at the bottom of the sea. Namor knocks Johnny into a boat, causing it to explode, and starts to drown him until Sue, Reed, and Ben resurface, capturing Namor, who they return to the Baxter building in bombs. Reed warns him that while they captured him, he may have only been defeated because of muscular atrophy from being stuck in the tomb for years. Namor wakes up having learned English completely since being captured for about an hour because he's very advanced, and Namor explains that Lemuria attacked and destroyed Atlantis. Mary tries to ask questions, but Namor is uninterested in her because she's old and gross, even though she looks the exact same age as her daughter. He escapes his bonds and says that he could kill them if he wanted to, and that he, uh, and then he asks Sue out on the date. Hell yeah. I don't like Namor here. He's not good 616 Namor. No. Not as much Imperious Sex. Yep. Reed, meanwhile, works while Johnny goes out driving, Ben is with friends, and Mary starts hitting on Reed while asking him for help translating. Sue goes out with Namor, protected by Herbie, Max until he flies her away and he tries putting the moves on her, she rejects him, force blasts him away, and he assaults her and destroys the robots who follow. And then rediscovers Namor wasn't actually in a tomb, he was actually in a prison. 
Because it was a tomb. Mm-hmm. It was a rock. Lock up. Bum, 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 bum. Rock, lock up. Da, 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 ben and Johnny da, 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 easily da, da, da. get battered by Namor. <laughs> <laughs> While Dr. Storm and Mary tried to help unsuccessfully from other superhero teams who were all busy. That's when Reed appears in the Fantastic 05, a robot that copies the powers of the Fantastic Four, giving emergency services the times to evacuate. Uh, Namor still overpowers it, so Reed has to put out a helmet that projects hard light holograms, first of Mary's torment underwear, and then of the Ultimates. But the power required is too intense, and Reed has the helmet power shot off. Sue traps Namor in a force box and has Johnny go supernova, and then Ben smashes him with a bus, but Namor refuses to surrender. Instead, Namor summons a giant monster, but promises to back down if Sue gives him a kiss, which she does. Namor is satisfied and leaves. Mary checks him. Uh, with- Namor's Namor's giant monster sucks compared to Giganto. It's just a Poseidon, uh, like a really shitty Poseidon. True. Mary checks in with Sue to say that she is proud of her children for some reason. Sue is uninterested in reconnecting now, which is fair. And Mary reveals that she has new works for her company, and Sue asks if she is working for Victor Van Dam. Uh, now, which Mary then gaslights Sue about as she walks away in a backless dress with a large mind-controlled dragon on it. Yeah, there's no reason for Sue to be like, oh, Mom, I guess I understand you now. We should not fully disconnect. Let's bro out. Because, like, literally all that happened is Sue, Reed, and Ben got to risk their lives going to the bottom of the ocean. They released Namor, and, like, Mary did shit all except for watch the worst up next is ultimate spider yeah i i don't think there's any part of the story that is really good the art is a major flaw Mm -hmm. namor feels really underdeveloped as a character and like the mary reveal i understand that like the book has had three or four different writers that has had like four writers at this point but it's never felt like something that has been mentioned before or has been important enough to mention nope and like millar had an earlier arc to write and like he was on the establishment of the book with bendis and they could have done something then can't shoehorn it in later mm-hmm and then we have Ultimate Spider-Man, numbers 72 through 77. Hobgoblin, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Scott Hanna, colors by J.D. Smith, and letters by Chris Eliopoulos. And we start off with the aftermath of Peter being bit by the spider <sighs> way back when and shifting over to Harry Osborne's perspective as he goes to visit MJ after Peter went to the hospital and we find out that Harry considered himself to be in a relationship with MJ, but he didn't want to publicly acknowledge it. And he even got angry when he called out about it, but still ended up kissing with MJ, which... Weird development. I agree. Uh, We then move back to the present as Killer Shriek, who Spider-Man was knocked out by, is threatening to kill Spider-Man unless the scientists give him adamantium. The scientists are like, we have no idea who Spider-Man is, so Spider-Man decides to stop pretending to be knocked out and knocks out Shriek. Frustrated that he still hasn't given up being Spider-Man and that he is also behind on other things in his life. 
When he returns to school, though, we see that Harry is back, and Peter immediately warns MJ to stay away. She wants to know why, and Peter is angry that she does not trust him, and MJ is angry that she feels like he does not trust her, which I feel like they're both sort of reasonably upset here, Mm -hmm. but also, like, MJ, Peter has things, but Peter should have been better about vocalizing the issues. Yes. So when Peter gets home, Aunt May is working on packing because they are moving to get out of the house where so many people have died. And when Peter goes downstairs to pack, he finds Harry waiting for him. And Harry is frustrated about everything that has happened since Peter became Spider-Man. His dad killing his mom, his father going insane, and how Peter has been dating MJ, Harry's girlfriend. (gasps) We then flash back to Nick Fury checking in on Harry Osborn about a week ago when he was back in some recovery institute under witness protection. Harry wanted to know what had happened to his father and family, but Fury is forced to keep quiet, and Harry is still dealing with the brainwashing that he had underwent. Fury keeps telling him that he will fall under the care of his grandfather, and recommends he keeps getting his therapy, but that he also now has control of all of his family's resources. Harry came back in secret initially, spying to see what was going on, but is now struggling to know what to do, especially with all the property that remains. He ended up being visited by Mr. Shaw, Norman's hired gun, who initially tried to kill Spider-Man, and who now has to show Harry his father's secret lab and activates him with the key phrase, Cellar Door, returning all of Harry's memories, including Norman attacking Spider-Man and then attacking the White House and how he was betrayed. And Harry is given the keys to his father's legacies that were hidden from S.H.I.E.L.D. Peter in the present is shocked to hear about MJ, and then Harry leaves after saying Peter's going to help him. At school, MJ tries to talk to Peter, who ignores her, and then when she pushes, he snaps and angrily asks about Harry, and she denies that they were dating, and she didn't think it was that important, but Peter's still super upset about her not listening to him, and says he regrets telling her who he is and leaves. When MJ runs into Harry afterwards, she confronts him, and he tries to play it off like Peter took what he said about their relationship the wrong way, and then when she tries to express her feelings, he tells MJ that Spider-Man killed his father. Spider-Man, meanwhile, stops the stick-up, and Peter almost kills the robber and ends up taking him to the hospital and says that he will wait for the police to come and arrest him. Police Captain Jean de Wolf, who he had met at the investigation of Gwen's death and at the showdown with the gladiator, confronts him. He explains he wants to be stopped because he hurt this guy when he lost control, and Jean says that he has to relax, he barely injured the guy, and she gives him her card. I'm, I I I feel like there is a difference with Jean giving the support to teenage Spider-Man and if she were giving it to like a more mature Spider-Man. Yeah. When he gets home, Aunt May tells him about uh, MJ being upset, but they are interrupted by a call from Harry telling Peter to bring his costume. But more Harry importantly, out, we are, you missed talking about the fact that Aunt May exploited a guilty... Mary Jane Watson into unpacking her house for her. Also, can we talk about how nice their new house looks compared to their old house? I didn't really notice all that much. I did. The kitchen looks much nicer than their old one. That is a modern kitchen with modern appliances, not the more rustic feel of the previous house. 
To which it's like, how much did you sell your previous house for? Two people died in that house. I don't know if you could get it for selling it for that much. Aunt May must have a pretty high-paying job that she secretly doesn't tell Peter about all the dough she is raking in. But also, like, you know, insurance settlements. She took a big settlement out on Gwyn before Gwyn died. Do you think Aunt May released the uh, will then? Oh, I thought you were going to say, do you think Aunt May released the Snyder Cut? I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) God. Oh. (laughs) I think our title is going to be Aunt May Releases the Snyder Cut. We are recording this in an afternoon as opposed to the mornings when we happen to recording them, so moods are lightened. Yes. Harry, it turns out, was brought to his father's secret lab where there is a stash of the Oz formula, and Harry tries to run, forcing Mr. Shaw to knock him out and bring him home where he wakes up. Shaw tells Harry to make Peter tell him where Norman is, and, and Fury lied about what Norman did and that Norman is dying and they have to save him. Shaw needs Harry to do this so Shaw can stay hidden. But uh, Peter will help, because Peter's a friend, which led to Harry calling Peter that night. Aunt May forbids him from going and wants to talk about it, and to let him avoid the Osborne drama so that he doesn't go, Peter continues to ignore Mary Jane at school until she finds him during lunch to try to apologize, and she brings up what Harry said about Spider-Man killing Norman. Peter blows... Oh, Oh, yes, go ahead, Luke. I do want to know, I like that Peter actually does say in when Aunt May tells him no don't leave, just ignore the Norman Osborn mm-hmm. drama. Me too. Look at him being a good son. Mm-hmm. Peter blows up at the allegation, and because MJ was talking to Harry, even though he had warned her not to, uh, back at school, though, Shaw is threatening Harry for not going to school when Spider-Man shows up and Spider-Man can't see Shaw. Shaw tells Harry to show Spider-Man who he really is, and we get a flashback to the lab explosion that turned Norman into the Green Goblin and see for the first time that Harry was also there and he turns into an orange version of the Green Goblin. The Orange Goblin starts attacking and Spider-Man is having issues fighting his friend who is also overpowering him and the fight spills out into the streets of New York. Back at... Oh, go ahead, Luke. Uh, so the Shaw reveal. That Bruce Where Willis was Shaw... dead at the end of Sixth Sense? Yeah, and... Yeah, it, it, it's weird, because I was trying to see if there's any clues that, like, Bagley and Bendis put into the art, but it's all, like, treated as real up until that moment. Mm-hmm. Which, like, makes me wonder how that works. And now I'm just flashing back to the uh, Clone High uh, Gandhi scene where he's trying to become a trucker so he can avoid the testing, and it's like, mm-hmm. he was dead the entire time. They just got to the truck <laughs> driving itself with Gandhi in the passenger seat. Yeah, no, like, it, it's, it would have worked a little bit better if it, if my things were a little confusing and muddled for that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, like how, how does, does Harry know where that secret cellar was? Uh, because it was implanted in with cellar door. Yeah, but, but you had the Shaw ghost telling him cellar door. Yeah, but it could have been a repressed memory that was implanted in. I guess. 
I'm just glad that Harry developed the psychic powers that he needed to drive himself in the car. Mm -hmm. Or what if everybody else is imaginary and Mr. Shaw is the only real person? That makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Back at school, though, Peter and MJ's teacher notices that they are both missing. Peter tries to talk to Harry, but the illusion of Mr. Shaw tells him to keep fighting as MJ gets closer to the fight. The Orange Goblin, because they never call him the goddamn Hobgoblin, uh, sees MJ and dives at her, keeping him off, uh, which prevents the Orange Goblin from killing Spider-Man, who then moves to trip the Orange Goblin, saving MJ, and then he swings off, dropping MJ off the top of the roof. He tells her to run as the Orange Goblin follows, and the duo end up back down on the street as Spider-Man launches a vicious assault, and Orange Goblin asks to be killed. Spider-Man offers to help, but Shaw makes Harry turn against him and throws Spider-Man back at the same time as the police show up and start shooting at him. Blam, blam, blam. Meanwhile, meanwhile at the Triskelion, Nick Fury is giving an interview about the growth of threats following the appearance of heroes like the Ultimates when the Orange Goblin shows up on the TV. Fury requests an update from his handler, who we find out died, and Fury orders in the Hulkbusters suiting up as a to figure out how to approach this and how they missed that Harry could turn into a goblin. But Fury's secretly fine with it, though, because he was super pissed that his segment was getting bumped. So at least this way they'll be filming him kicking ass in the streets of New York, so he'll still have as much screen time as possible. Yeah, and I mean, it's a lot better than when the story got bumped for the uh, puppy parade. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fury did crimes to puppies. (laughs) Yeah. That was a dark issue. (laughs) As they approach, Harry is ready to be killed, and Spider-Man gets in the way, trying to save his friend, but then Harry knocks out Spider-Man, and he allows himself to get blasted. Spider-Man is pissed at Fury for letting this happen, why his friend was asking to be killed, and so Peter decks Fury in the face and gets zapped. Fury calls him off and tells Peter to leave. But uh, as soon as Peter's gone, it's like, yeah, I'm going to remove that kid's powers and teach him a lesson. That'll show him. Back at, yep. Back at home, MJ is waiting for Peter, and she tries to apologize for not listening to him, but Peter breaks up with her and leaves, saying he can't be near her. Luckily, this is easier since they move two blocks away, so it's not as awkward when they're living next door. Yeah. I. It's, it's weird. <sighs> Peter was it's threading Aunt May to move this entire time. He's like, I'm going to break up with her Aunt May. We can't live next door. I I I have a hard time understanding why some people want to live close or that close to like family members or like loved ones who they're in a I guess not super committed relationship with. Like, how weird would it be if you were dating someone who lived like an apartment away from you? Or like on the same apartment block but not in the same house? A little bit. I don't know. I, since I they already had, since they already started living there before they started dating, I find it less weird. Yeah, but I I have coworkers who are cousins, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to live like a house away from each other," and it's like that's very weird for oh like, yeah my perspective of how family lives, but it's also. My parents live out in the Southwest, along with my sister, who lives like a good eight hours away from them in the Southwest. My brother lives in Vietnam, and I'm still here in Clambus. 
Yeah. Fair enough, Luke. Fair enough. We then have Ultimate Spider-Man 78 dumped. At school, Liz Alice checking on Mary Jane because she has vanished from class and was left. Uh, but she is actually checking on her in the bathroom where Mary Jane is sobbing and crying. In class, the teacher is upset that the class couldn't even watch a single movie for homework. When Peter goes to leave, the teacher tries and fails to stop him, and Liz says she plans to take Mary Jane out for the afternoon. At the mall, MJ is unable to focus and plans to leave when Flash and his pals show up and try to talk. Flash introduces her to Mark Raxton, a senior in a band with a crush on MJ. Liz heads over with MJ and the pair start talking, while MJ is not really paying attention until the topic changes to Peter Parker. And Mark Raxton confesses that the dudes can be awful, and that they start to warm up to one another. Mark has to leave, but invites her to come to his band's show, The Bolton Man's. Liz and MJ go with Kenny because he can drive, and MJ runs into Mark, who offers her a ride home, and they talk about Will Eisner making a graphic novel and how he wants to be inventive with music and asks MJ what she wants to do. She confesses that she wanted to be an actress once, but now looks up to teachers, and then they briefly kiss. MJ pulls back, and Mark asks why they broke up, and she explains vaguely enough that she couldn't give him what he needed, and while she still loves him, she can't help him, but wants to try to win him back because he is everything to her. It's it's a weird issue. It was a weird issue. Like I I do enjoy they keep doing these sort of like breather issues, but I think this is a weaker one. Mm-hmm. Except for MJ crying in the toilet, that was some great dialogue between her and Liz right there. Well, and then the Tandy Bowen graffiti. Oh, so good. Mm-hmm. Also, MJ wearing her Morpheus sunglasses in school. Uh, finally, we have Ultimate Fantastic Four Annual Number 1, a.k.a. Inhuman, written by Mark Millar, with art by Jai Lee, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, and colors by Jun Chung. In the mountains, a pair of mountain climbers reach Adeline, where they run into Gorgon of the Inhumans, and they are presumably killed. Once again, this is, I don't think Jai Lee's art works well here, or at least there's not a lot of elucidating what goes on. Agreed. Back in Manhattan, Reed and Ben are shrunk inside Dr. Storm working to remove the cancer in his body while Reed supervises. And Johnny is partying in a club. As Johnny leaves, he sees a woman being followed by two cloaked figures and follows only to get knocked out by the figures, but not before he sends up a flare to call the Fantastic Four. Before he can be killed, Lockjaw, an inhuman dog, shows up and scares away the other inhumans and the inhuman woman, Crystal brings him back to the Fantastic Four and heals him with her super technology. She explains that they were guards sent in to track her and gives the rundown of how Black Bolt is the king, her sister Medusa is married to him, and his other sister Gorgon is very strong, and they, along with her cousins Karnak and Triton, are the royal household, and she ran away to avoid marrying her fiancé, Maximus. So Lockjaw brought her to New York City to have some fun. Crystal is captured, and Johnny chases after, but is stunned, and Johnny wants to chase her, thinking that he is in love. Back in Adeline, Crystal is dressed down for acting, unbecoming, and committing a crime, unaware that the Fantastic Four have teleported in, and Adeline Sue hides the other members with invisibility, and they see a terrogenesis where a new and human emerges as Triclops, who sees the Fantastic Four and stops their invisibility so the team is forced to fight. The royal family hears about the fight and steps in, and the fight escalates quickly, 
ending when a massive statue is knocked over and Sue fights to keep it from crushing people, but actually Crystal stops it. Crystal's upset that they came, and as a result, the royal family destroys Adeline because it is ruined. Johnny and Crystal kiss goodbye, and then the humans go to live on the moon. It's another bad try, Lee and Mark Marlar joint. So nice. Wasn't that fun? It, I mean, the, the description of the issue is like, oh yeah, this is going to be really important going forward in the future. And then it's like, is it though? Is it? No. Yeah. Or I don't recall it being. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Also, when Lockjaw's not cute, you know that you've messed up. Yeah. He should be a very good dog. He's a good boy. Mm-hmm. But are you ready to rank these stories on our Ultiversal Q list? Yes, let's do it, Luke. Uh, so, currently... Do you want me to link you the list? Link it up, bruh. I'll be Abraham Lincoln. Oof. There you go. Uh, so currently, our list has 55 stories on it, going from Ultimate Spider-Man Hollywood to Ultimate Iron Man, the first part. And first we have the Ultimate Fantastic Four, Volume 1 is 21 through 23, Crossover which it's not the worst it's but it's definitely not great yeah uh i mean how do you feel about it compared to the uh ultimate x-men blockbuster um it is slightly better than that yeah, I don't think it's as good as New Mutants. It was not. Though. So our new number 32 is Ultimate Fantastic Four crossover. We then have the Tomb of Namor, which is worse. Much worse. I would say. Uh, better or worse than the Think Tank Ultimate Fantastic Four? Mm, worse. It's clear what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, fair enough. I think it's better, but I don't want to put it above uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man. It's true. The teeth are a wall that you just can't pass. Well, it's it's hard to... Or it's easy to slip under, but it's hard to get higher than mm-hmm. in that case. We then have Hobgoblin, which is not our strongest uh, ultimate Spider-Man story. No. Uh... How do you feel about it compared to Strange, which is the uh, Nightmare episode? Um, I thought it was a little bit more developed than that. Yeah, I I don't know if I want to put it above World Tour, though. I think World Tour is stronger and had a lot less to work with at the time. Uh, We then have Dumped. Which, uh, our lowest uh, Spider-Man single issues afterwards, which was like our very second one of the uh, single issues. 
how did you feel about it? Because I, I don't think we thought it was super great. No. But I like it more than the Return of the King prelude. Uh, but I would put it below one half. Yeah, the uh, shoe story. Yeah. Fair. So our new number 36 is dumped. And then we have Ultimate Fantastic Four Inhuman. Which I think this goes below Think Tank. Yes. So is it worse than Cry Wolf? I'd say yes. Yes. Uh, is it worse than Spider-Man and... Yeah, I think it's it's got to be worse than Spider-Man. I would agree. Green. So then, equally on the... We're not sure why they're doing this, and it has stylistic art that does not work. We have Spider-Man, Daredevil, Punisher. How do you feel about it? Personally, I think the art for Spider-Man, Daredevil, Punisher made more sense than this art. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I I think we can at least put it above the ultimate Iron Man. I, I would agree. This makes sense. That's not a good story. Yes. So our new number, 57, is ultimate fantastic for annual number one, Inhuman. So, Devin. Yes, Luke. Uh, our Twitter is currently locked. Why? Uh, because... Uh, so Twitter wants everybody to pretty much only have one, uh, Twitter account, but we have, uh, multiple accounts, and so, uh, what they are asking me to do is to provide a phone number to verify that it is an actual person using the account. That's dumb. Especially because they don't let you reuse phone numbers. And so I reached out to Twitter support, and I have not heard back, and so I continue to be locked out of that account. That's nice. Yeah. And so I tried to put an account on, and that didn't work. So thank goodness we have Facebook. Hooray for Facebook. Yeah, so uh, anyways, no questions this week. But uh, do you know what we are covering next week, Devin? Or, well, next time in two weeks. Next time on Ultiversal Q, we're going back to our team of lovable mutants, the X-Men. Damn, I just took a stab. I didn't actually know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's been a while since we've done an X-Men issue. We must be getting back to them. (laughs) No, uh, that was a swing and a miss as the kids say no next time thor becomes president and we have spider-man's longest story warriors come out and play wait which issues is that gonna be 79 through 85 yeah she's gonna cough on or she's gonna vomit on on the dick Bomb head I on think, my dick. If not, it's Bomb the next one. But... Yeah. We're getting close. Yeah. And then we're going to start our countdown to Ultimate Galactus. That was fun. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Where can people oh, you can find, find me online at Fed That's F R E D D O F E T T N. Luke, where can people find you? You can find me online on Twitter at, at Coltrager. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. 
Uh, you can find both of us over on the Exiled Podcast at exiledpodcast.com. We are getting close to the end of Exiled. It's very exciting. Uh, you can see more about the show at our image gallery at exiledpod... At, you can see more about the show, including our image gallery and the show notes at MultiverseOQ or UltiverseOQ.com. And uh, we have a Facebook and uh, haven't used Tumblr in years. But yeah, Twitter got our uh, Twitter support ain't been good and has our account locked. So I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully, with our Twitter privileges restored. Maybe even access to the CRISPR drawer. But uh, what do we oh, say at the end of our episode, Devin? That's right. Catch you on the flip mode, America. Catch you on the flip mode. <laughs> <laughs>